0: announcement has been paid for by Wild Games Productions.
1: What's up, boys? This
0: is Jam Chris from the Order 66 podcast.
1: And uh, as one GM who uh, runs a dead game to another, love the
2: show. Every week I tune in to roll some initiatives. You remember. Roll your stealth roll.
1: Game books. Pencils. Pizza, cheese puffs, and a hell of a lot of dice. And the Dragon woke up Roll for Initiative. This is the Roll for Initiative podcast, where 1E is the place to be.
0: This is the Roll for Initiative podcast. I am Dean Vince, and this is Volume 5, Issue 174. I'm sitting alongside two special guests this week. First, we're going to be bringing in Eric Tankar of Tankar's Tavern. Eric, how are you this week?
2: Been pretty good. Thanks, Vince.
0: Long time no speak to you. We to do a bunch of podcasts together, so it's good to be reunited again.
2: Yeah, I'm about to break into song, but we'll probably pass on that. <laughs> yeah.
0: And my second guest tonight will be the uh, writer and uh, blogger of the Other Side blog, Timothy Brannon. Am I saying that right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Perfect. Tim, how are you doing this week? I'm doing great. Awesome. Well, we got a bunch of topics this week that, you know, have been floating around the uh, blog sphere and the Facebook. That's not like an old person, the Facebook. But uh, <laughs> let's get on the Skype and talk about the Facebook. Exactly. Right. A couple topics here and there. You know, it's been maybe pushing a few buttons in the community and maybe from people at large, and they're just annoyed by it. But first topic we're going to start off with this week has to involve a dungeon master, dungeon mastering. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen a couple people in Facebook groups, and there's also a g plus community group Eric you had mentioned before the podcast that's dedicated to running pay to play or flip was it pay play whatever they call it Bas- whatever yeah, basically they're charging people to sit in their games even though they may or may not be a great dungeon master, and they're charging whatever four or five bucks a session, so say the session is promised to be three hours long. Uh, they would pay five bucks, and that comes out to less than a a dollar or something, whatever, an hour for the game. And it could be online, and it could be in person. Now, a lot of people feel this is uh, greedy and unfair. Uh, I think it's, personally, I believe it's not really uh, something you should do, but, I mean, people try to make a buck off anything these days. So uh, I'm going to throw it over you, Eric, because you did have a different opinion than me by saying it's not that greedy. It just depends, but I'd like to hear what your thoughts are on that. Uh,
2: listen, if you're going to try to do this and try to make money off Game Mastering, you better be in the top 1%. Because if somebody's paying for entertainment, it, you just can't throw out the uh, regular railroad campaign that you pulled off a shelf. They, they really want something to be top-notch, Russia, not giving them their money's worth. Gaming is a social... It's a social. It's social entertainment, and then if it's going to be pay to play, you're removing some of that social aspect. So you better bring something else to the table. That's or something more to the table. That's my opinion. I think that 99 out of 100 people could not pull that off. Some may be able to. Maybe well worth it, but the vast majority are going to leave a lot of disappointed people at the table because they're going to be expecting a whole lot more if they're putting money into it.
0: Oh, I agree. If they're not doing the bells and the whistles and taking the time to put some effort into their campaigns, I'm I'm not paying the money. I don't care if it comes out to a dollar an hour or not, but I don't think it's worth it, in my opinion. I could see conventions, yeah, because that's a special event, and it's a way for the convention to generate more money and to pay for your time at the convention to make up for some of the ticket prices, but... I don't know, like Gen Con, they'll give you money for charging for tickets. So, I
1: don't know. Tim, I'm going to throw it over to you to see what you have to say about this. Well, I mean, I'm thinking back to the games I've played. So, I'm going to come at it from the... uh, I mean, I've run a lot of games at cons, you know, from Gen Con to some little local ones that I've participated in, even one that I organized myself. But I'm going to come at it from the point of view of the player. So, I'm playing... Let's say I'm paying five bucks. Mm -hmm. All right. uh, So, five bucks... To get in a game, uh, three to four hours. That's still cheaper than a movie. Yeah. It's still cheaper than, you know, a Red Box. I don't know if everybody's got Red Box around them. They're like little DVD rental places. So it's cheaper than renting that. Uh, So on that point, I'm like, eh, that's not so bad. But you know, the tickets I spend at Gen Con are only four bucks each for a game. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking back to some of the games I've played with people I didn't know. So, you know, going to Gen Con, sitting down. And I can only think of about a handful, uh, maybe two or three even at best, that I would have thought, oh, that would have been worth paying five bucks for just to sit in that game. Uh, Cubicle 7 has run some great games where I would have been like, yeah, okay, that was fun. I have done some others that you know names. I won't mention and I was like "Eh, really not only do I not Wasn't that excited about I'm not that excited about buying your game to me con games are supposed to be Convention games are supposed to be like commercials for the game Mm -hmm. when I run my when I run games at conventions It's because I want to let people know about this great game that I've discovered or found or written or got asked to run and I typically, and then I usually, I'm sort of the opposite end. It's like if you sit in my games, you get, I bring dice, and I bring prize support, and if I'm running something like Ghosts of Albion, where you only need a D10, I let you keep the D10 when you walk away. Okay. So, because, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking somebody will look at it and remember, oh yeah, I played that game. That was fun. I should go look up that game and go buy it. And even though I don't get anything when people buy, you know, Ghosts of Albion, but I do anymore. I mean, I got I got paid for it already. But I do get, you know, I, I constantly get people emailing. I got an email the other day from a guy in Australia. He said, oh, yeah, I played one of your games at Gen Con three years ago, and I just found you online. That was so cool. So to me, I mean, I don't know. The, I, I, I agree with Eric. The game has to be really, really special if I'm going to pay for it. But it's not the the cost isn't the barrier. It's more of, yeah, but this better be good, because I can get so much more out of games I don't actually pay anything for.
0: Yeah. All right, so the two of you have played... Say you've you've sat in a game, I don't know, online, maybe locally you paid let's say about six bucks for the game and and eric we'll start with you here first and you walk away from the game and you just have a bad taste in your mouth and you feel like you've been ripped off completely the dm was just completely lazy the game was horrible and everybody had a horrible time are you going to um find a way to get back at this person get your ask for your money back try to help the person what is your how are you going to handle that eric
2: I'm probably going to walk away and never come back. Mm-hmm. It's the Listen, six months, six bucks lost? Yeah, oh, That doesn't even buy lunch in New York City. I'll just <laughs> you know, chalk oh, it up yeah. to experience uh, and walk away. If the guy is not going to run a, a, a good game out of the box, there's no way I'm going to be able to help him run a good game because obviously he doesn't care. Mm-hmm. And if he cared and he was getting paid, he would have put the effort in. That's mm-hmm. my opinion um and that's the whole thing if i was playing in a group campaign with friends or acquaintances or whatever from the neighborhood and nobody was paying you were just you know bringing your own chips or putting money into the kitty to get food and drink and dm had issues yeah maybe you pull them to the side and you find a way to explain how maybe you could pull this off better or whatever but if somebody is Already taken money to run the game and can't run an effective game. Uh, I'm not going to help them.
1: Okay. And Tim, what is your opinion on this? You know, I'm kind of in the same boat as Eric, but you know, I live in Chicago, so six bucks won't buy me anything here. No. <laughs> um. And if, but am I going to get on? Uh, I, let me let me get uh, to the other side of it. Am I going to get online, and uh, you know, badmouth it? No, no, that's not me. I mean, I may I, I'll get online. It's like man. I had this really terrible experience over the weekend with this game that I paid to be in and it wasn't very fun. And then I'll probably go on with saying, I kind of wish they had done blank. Mm-hmm. And my point of view would be more along the lines of, Hey, if you're going to do this thing, these are the mistakes you should not make. So mm-hmm. I, I guess that's where I get, you know, that's, that's, that's where my motivation usually comes in to ride. If it's something I spent a lot of money on, well, yeah, then I'm probably going to go on. I mean, I've I've written some pretty terrible Yelp reviews, too, (laughs) in the past. So I'm not, you know, I'm not above the bad review. But uh, with you know, with the gaming community, we get so much bad press from fringe elements anyway that I don't need to add. I don't need to add my displeasure of something extremely minor, and I I would consider something like this minor, uh, you know, to the mix. Because maybe there's somebody out there who is charging, who is fantastic, mm-hmm. and maybe I will never, ever, ever run into that person because they're on the other side of the country. But somebody on the other side of the country could read something I post and then maybe not you know, participate in that guy's game, and I've robbed them of a potentially very good experience just because of one other dude doing something dumb.
0: Now, if you happen to be online, Tim, and you saw this same guy advertising and say, some of the forums, how he's a great dungeon master, I'm an awesome this and that, and you remember your experience, do you say anything to warn other players, or you just kind of blow it by and say, let them figure it out themselves?
1: Again, I mean, I'm kind of... I don't know. I guess it's because... I've been I've been around long enough. I know that anybody can have a bad day. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's just off that day. I mean, I showed I've, i you know I, I talked about Cubicle Seven mm-hmm. and how the good games they've run, right. and I've showed up to Cubicle Seven games at Gen Con, eight o'clock in the morning, only having an hour worth of sleep and still hungover. And so I knew that if they were writing a review of me as a player, they're like, "Oh, that praning kid—he sucked, man. He barely did anything. All he had to—he was playing an ogre. All he had to do was smash stuff." But uh, you know, if somebody has a bad day, yeah, I get that. If if they go on and on and on about it, I might like say, "Hey, dude, have you worked out these issues?" I might send him a, a private message at some at something. But uh, those usually don't go over as well as I think that they might.
2: No.
0: Uh, and Eric, what about you? I mean, I'm, I didn't ask you that question. If you saw the advertisement online, how the guy was bragging, and you remember your experience pass by, or would you say something?
2: Uh, I think it depends on where he's bragging. If he's bragging in a community that I am active in.
0: Yeah, you're active. Uh, you're active. And,
2: uh, and, and these are possibly my friends or online acquaintances that are going to get uh, caught up in this. Yeah. I might. I don't know how harsh I'll be in my assessment, but I might bring up some deficiencies that, that occurred prior. If he is somebody who's, like, spamming, I don't know, two or three dozen communities between Facebook and G+, and God knows where else,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, I, I might blow a spot up. I don't know. It depends. It really depends on on, on how bad he was and uh, uh, how bad uh, the... Uh, I don't want to call it spam but whatever.
0: How much he's really bragging and how much he's throwing it out there is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and
2: and and how far disconnected it is from the truth.
0: I don't see a problem personally by jumping in there and just giving a simple review of your experience just so other people's can other people can um Learn or view that experience I should say Mm -hmm. I I don't have a problem with that I mean as long as you're respectful and be like oh he's An a-hole the guy didn't know what he was doing I mean I you can say You just listen up folks this was my experience With the game the guy could have been having An off night but just I want you to keep this In mind before you you know start forking over your cash I mean not Everybody has a lot of money there could be those Kids out there that are just starting Mm -hmm. in the hobby Maybe they only make you know McDonald's wage or whatever. Not fifteen dollars an hour, by the way. A no. McDonald's wage, and they have you know <laughs> not enough spare cash. And here they're going to throw it to this guy because they want to learn how to play a game. And maybe it's not that good. Just it's just a good idea to possibly say a little something. I I think.
2: Uh, I, I again the whole fact that he's asked or oh, he or she
0: yeah she um, or she. is
2: asking for. Uh, a monetary compensation to run a game changes that whole equation. Because if they weren't asking for money, you'd be like, "Uh, you know what? If somebody, you know, loses three or four hours of their time playing with this guy and they realize it's not for them or whatever tastes differ. that's fine. But once it becomes, oh, people have money invested in this, then it's a different equation.
1: Right.
0: Yeah, Okay. Alright, so we're going to move on real here to another topic with dungeon mastering, and I'm sure you guys have both seen this. uh, Mm. In plenty of places, there's actually a couple websites dedicated to it, but I'm not going to put their links up. I do not support dungeon masters that have these, well, you can spend yada yada time with me and I will show you how to dungeon master because you've never played or dungeon mastered before. (laughs) I really honestly do not feel... That is appropriate and in the spirit of the hobby of continuing from generation to generation to be charging people to learn how to dungeon master. Sure, if you want to write a book, by all means, write a book. That's fine, but charging people per session, how to do, I just think is just, Basically, want don't you just give your entire salary over to somebody because <laughs> I think it's a ripoff. That's just my opinion. Everybody knows I'm an opinionated a-hole. <laughs> so, yeah, you can laugh, Tim, all you want. You know it is true. Uh, yeah,
1: then that's <laughs> fine. We're all, we all have our opinions, and that's yeah. perfect. But yeah.
0: anyway, so I'm going to start with you, Tim, since you spoke up there. What, sure. How do you feel? I'm, I'm sure you've seen these ads all over the place, yes, these websites. I have. What do and, you think?
1: Uh, I... On one hand, I admire the gutspot of anybody who will do this, but I have to scratch my head thinking, how in the heck do you honestly think you're going to get somebody to pay you for this? <laughs> uh, I mean, I've gone in, I've gone into schools when my when my kids were little and they were in elementary schools. They would have these activity days. I'd go into the schools and I would show kids how to play yeah. for free. You know, I would do it on my own dime and. You know, I'd buy materials and take it in. It's like, oh, you want some character sheets here, here's so, you know, I just ran these off my printer. You know, and that's fine. I mean that but that's the that's the opinion and the the personality that I have is if I want my hobby to continue and if I want other people to experience you know the joys i had then i need to do what people were doing for me when i was new yes. and that's they were dedicating their time dedicating their efforts dedicating oftentimes you know their personal copies of items yes to give me to learn how to be better at what i was doing and so i need to do the same in order to do that. Now, if somebody's going to charge for that, no, I don't think that's right at all. But at the same token, I'm not going to say, "Oh no, you can't do that." I will mock them. Yes, it's like, <laughs> well, you have your expert level class out there. Well, you know, great if you and if they and then also kind of I'm not, and then the back of my head, I'm th- seriously thinking like, really, somebody's making money doing this stuff. But hey, you know, I'm not I'm not going to. Uh, I said I was borrowing to say I'm not going to judge, which is you know, bogus, I'm totally going to judge. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I'm not going to stop them from doing it. No, but obviously if gonna, you can't. If you're going to do it, then be prepared to be mocked online for doing
0: it. Oh, obviously. I mean, oh, these people mostly get mocked by almost uh, probably more than half the community by saying, oh, my God, I can't believe this. But right. they get away with it anyway. And there are people that will shell out money because they're so desperate to learn this game. I... Like I said, I don't have no problem with someone writing a book that's like a dungeon master's dummy guide or you know, how to dungeon master. Just it's one time fee, the person, you know, buys the book, they read it, they have questions, maybe they could follow up with the author, but I don't see pay per session learning like you're sitting in a class, this is what you do, this is what you do. You know, it's just so many scenarios that those lessons can go on for a year before right,
1: exactly. the person knows anything. Well, and writing a book too—that's still being done at cost because l- let's be honest, there's no nobody out there is ever gonna write a dungeon master's book that is going to be universally accepted by everybody in the hobby yeah. to where they are going to make enough money to make it worth their while. I mean, some of the—I mean, uh, there's a a handful of books I can think of off the top of my head. I seriously doubt that. Anybody, when they take the time that they went into researching and writing and editing and then doing the publicity, that they either broke even or made better than minimum wage.
0: Right, and – there are some books I remember that were written by Wizards of the Coast that people hailed as really good. I believe it was the Dungeon Masters uh, Fourth Edition Dungeon Masters Guide,
1: like the second book or something they wrote. The D, yeah, the D, the DM's Guide Two. Yes, for that was the Fourth it. Edition. The for, yeah, the DMG Two for Fourth Edition D and D is a good book. I mean, not perfect, take, but hailed it's not, no, it's not as not good book. but Take out the take out the crunch and just look at how mm-hmm. it talks about the management of the game. And there's a lot of good things still in there. I mean. I have not – I did not get rid of any of my fourth edition stuff because there's still things there that I like to mine. And yeah, I I will probably never play the system again. Or if you ask my kids, we will absolutely never play the system again. (laughs) Um, There's still some things in there I like, and it's still worth it. So the money I spent on that, yes, it is still worth it to me today.
0: Uh, also, uh, the uh, Pathfinder or Paizo Game Mastery uh, Toolbox, I believe it's called, or Game right. Mastery. They wrote an excellent one, the The smaller box set one, and then they followed up with a larger book itself. And those have some great resources and tips for mining for any edition of any game. Right. So, but they're not, obviously, like you said, it's not widely accepted by everybody. It's not a perfect book. It's never going to be perfect. It's just there yeah. to give you ideas, and that's it. they
1: did their job. Well, for example, I don't like the Pathfinder book as pro- as much as it sounds like you did Nor did I like it as much as I like the 4th edition D&D book And I do love Pathfinder um, You know, I've written a lot for it, I've played it yeah. I just didn't find that book as useful to me as the other one did So, there you go Yeah, exactly Point, point made I well,
0: But don't get me wrong, I really don't like 4th edition So. <laughs> well, that's fine <laughs> And uh, Eric, since you've been so yeah. quiet there, what what are your thoughts about this?
2: Well, it depends. I mean, I say it depends, the only way you can learn how to be a writer is to be a reader first. Right. Now, you have to learn how to read. In the case of my wife, Rachel, when we went to North Texas in 2014, she knew about role-playing because she's married to me, but she'd never really played in the game. So the first game that we played in together was Time Master run by Tim Snyder. I chose a system that very few people at the table were going to know how to play themselves so she would go in as a rules novice and a role-playing novice but then she wouldn't have to learn like both i knew tim was going to make the system nice and easy for everybody who was new to it she wouldn't feel she was the only person that didn't understand the system and then she could learn to role play by experiencing the players at the table which is what she did mm-hmm. and uh needless to say that by, time, by the time i think friday rolled around she told me we we're already coming back for 2015. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. I think that if you're going to charge somebody to learn how to role play, you know, some people are never going to learn it because it's just not in them to play games like this. Right. And if you charge them for it, now they're going to be the ones that are going to get all PO'd that I paid good money and I still don't understand how this stuff works. You know what? I, I, how do you charge somebody to learn a hobby so like, like this it's, it's, you learn it because you want to be a part of it and you teach it because you want to add people to it hmm. so I, the whole paying to play is such a slippery slope
0: yeah it's something that you can easily fall down a cliff and never come back from wow what are you going to do moving along we're going to another topic here that's near and dear to Eric's heart on his blog. Oh, <laughs> bad, bad, bad fans! Yeah, the uh, we're going to talk a little about about Patreon and Kickstarters in general. Uh, I'm definitely going to go to the king of crucifying Kickstarters on his blog, uh, Eric. Uh, so let's start with Patreon first of all. It's a great resource. Uh, it's it's perfect for podcasts, uh, authors. Maybe even uh, DMs, for that matter, for releasing material. Uh, every month, you give a few bucks. The author promises more stuff every month, and you know you can easily back out, jump in whenever you want, and you get the material. You don't get the material. You back in. You back out. Perfect. Now, a lot of podcasts do, including my podcast. You have a Patreon ad. I try to keep it small and simple, 10 seconds to 15 seconds, one thing. If you don't care, you just let it go, and you keep going. You... You pledge. That's great. Awesome. But then again, you get these people who sit there during their show, and they'll be talking about the topic, and they'll be like, hey, speaking of, why don't you go over to our Patreon and support us by spending $5 and get a Silver Dragon level, because is it overdoing it, or is it warranted? Eric, what do you think?
2: Another slippery slope. Um, mm-hmm. I think less is more, especially when you are, in effect, I guess, pimping yourself. Mm-hmm. And since podcasts are released on a regular basis, people are going to be hearing your ad on a regular basis anyway if they already listen to your podcast. Right. You don't have to hit them multiple times in the same podcast for them to hear it. But short short, and simple, to the point, link it on your webpage. I think that's really all you need.
0: Yeah, I, there's a couple podcasts that I listened to in the past, and I actually stopped listening to them because they would have the beginning of the show would be like, donate for this, blah, 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 then then, then, then halfway through the show they'd have it, and then, then nor, nor, yeah, excuse me, towards the end they would speak about it again, it's just like, alright, enough. And then sometimes during the show they would just throw in little jabs here and there, blah, 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 so... It really got on my nerves after a while. That's why I try to keep it as little as possible, maybe a link and a very short little, hey, you like this show? Think about supporting it. Have a nice day type deal. So you don't really need to get too far into it. But uh, Tim, what's your experience and what do you think?
1: Well, you know, it's interesting. I was just talking to my wife last night about uh, Patreon Mm -hmm. and some of the advantages I saw of it. Now, it's not something I'd ever do for myself uh, because I don't feel the need to monetize what I do because then something becomes work and then I become less interested in it. And I would rather do this for fun and that's cool. And I, and there's some Patreon people I support Mm -hmm. and I've been pretty pleased with it so far. But the thing I think the, I was thinking back to the one thing that they all have in common and is they're not always constantly advertising. I mean, I had in some cases I had to go digging around to find wh- that they actually had a Patreon page and I'm like, "Oh, I get this. If I support them this much, oh, that's cool. I can do that." And I've, you know, adjusted over the over like the, I think I've been doing it for about 6 months now. Okay. And I've adjusted what I've spent or I've dropped some people, picked up other people. And generally speaking, I've been pretty pleased with it. Now, I, um, there's one podcast I I'm thinking of in particular. Now, they weren't Patreon, but they were constantly pimping their Amazon page ah, yeah, and after a while that got annoying, but I started thinking, well, yeah, but it's one of those things that you know I'm, I'm thinking about, it and i I'm as much as I say I want to support you know my local game stores, I do end up buying stuff on Amazon all the time anyway,, True. and if I can put in a link and s- support these. People for something that I was going to buy anyway. And I end up buying a lot of stuff for work too. So that works out fine. Um, then, sure, that's not so bad. But I have to, make a while, it's like, okay, oh, yeah, I get it. Clear your cookies. Do this. Put in this for the Amazon page. Got it. Understand. Um, like I've got an Amazon link, but only for books I've actually read. And I thought other people would find it interesting on my site. I never pimp it. It just sits there in the corner. I think I've made three cents. total which in the long run is less than nothing so yeah i suppose it's three cents still and maybe in you know 20 years it'll be you know six cents and that'll be great yeah which will still buy me nothing uh but the ones that are constantly going on and on and on about it that does sort of smack a little of desperation and at one token i'm like Part of me is like, ah, oh, maybe if I just give them a buck, they'll shut up. And then I start thinking, nope, don't want to encourage them. And then and it, the, the podcast better be good to start with before I even begin to think about uh, supporting it on Patreon. Right. And there's a few. And then, of course, I start thinking, well, I'm already spending X amount. So if I'm going to support this one, I probably need to drop this other one. I like to try to keep my game playing expenditures at a budget and i start thinking well if i'm supporting this i can't support this right right well i i have to admit that
2: my patreon backing range is between 30 and 40 dollars a month i think on an average month which surprised me once i realized it but i do back a a lot because there's a lot of creators out there that make good stuff i'd like to really support
0: well in Uh, all fairness eric uh, a lot of your funding just comes from the community anyway based on your patreon yourself
2: yeah, you say it, it a certain percentage.
0: You, I think you call it kickback or something. Yeah, or? I
2: I, I kick back boy. I was I was talking about kicking back like five percent. I think I'm kicking back like thirty. Yeah. But uh, I, I've you know even the money I make from the RPG uh, now referral sales, most of it goes right back into certificate giveaways and stuff like that. But it's an uh it's there. It's a hobby. Yes. If if you're making more money from your hobby than Possibly enough to uh, keep you in gaming books. God bless you. Because you've done something that one, maybe one in a thousand can do. I mean, uh, James Spahn is very successful with his White Star game. And uh, trust me, it's nowhere near enough to let him quit his full-time job. No. 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 no.
0: Yeah, but, but James is a quality writer. He puts effort yes. and sweat and probably blood into his work, probably knowing does. him. But... He delivers. He makes a yeah. project. He throws it up. It's not like it's a piece of crap, and everyone's just right. like, you know, duh, I wasted like ten bucks on this. No, right. you pay the ten bucks. You're like, holy crap! only I'm only paying ten bucks. I better tell people about this. Well,
1: yeah, and and with James too. I mean, not to not to pick on him for anyway, but I think he's a good example. You buy one of his products, you tell him, hey, I just picked this up. He talks to you afterwards. Feels like, oh my god, I am so happy you bought this. He taught like. It's almost like you're the only person who bought this. <laughs> in his interaction with it, was like, you know, that's not the truth. But at the same token, he's, it, you know, it's not just blood, sweat, and tears that he's put in. He puts in a lot of enthusiasm he, he into what his, he does. Yeah, he does. He puts his soul into it. And... Yeah, and that makes it di- that makes a huge difference. So if he came on and said, "Hey, can you support my Patreon," I'd be like, "Yeah, sure, why not?"
2: Yeah.
0: Okay, so, anyway, uh, moving on real quick here. Uh, Kickstarters, we, we didn't talk about that, really. We just talked about Patreon. But Kickstarters, I think it helps the hobby for the long run, but I think a lot of people get over their head most of the time with this, having these big, grand ideas, and then they feel like they have to do more and more and more as people are funding it. I think they should cut it off at a certain point. If they want a certain amount of money, and if it goes over that amount of money, that's great. Wonderful, you thank the people, but... You, you got to stop with the phases and keep boosting it up and boosting it up. That's what's killing it, in my opinion. Eric, you're very, very, very critical on your blog, and I don't mean to point you out here, but you are. We right. all know. Give us your thoughts vocally to all the listeners out there. I mean, you, you. we've seen it in words, and we've seen the cursing, we've seen the screaming, and we've seen the f- making fun of. Let's hear uh, it directly from the horse's yeah. mouth.
2: Uh, surprisingly enough, I think that Kickstarter if if you're a small uh publisher i don't think kickstarter should be your first step into the hobby you have rpg now you have self-publishing print on demand Uh, i think that should be where you learn. watching people who've done nothing in the past and their first project is on kickstarter scares me um i'm also surprised that i'm i'm changing my opinion on certain things i know some people get very upset when they see larger companies like frog god uh doing kickstarters they're too large to do a kickstarter well you know what it allows them to put the product out there without the risk of having dead books sitting in a warehouse for years Mm -hmm. they know what the market is they know what the demand is for their project and they can make sure they're not going to lose money on it and they deliver on time and they deliver a quality project so uh, for those naysayers that think that the big companies should not be doing kickstarters, it actually helps the hobby in that sense. F- uh, for the smaller publishers, it, it, if you don't have the business sense behind you, it can kill you—not well, literally kill you, but it can—it can—it can kill your whole advance in the hobby. I mean, there are so many people. I'm not going to name names. But uh, there's multiple people in our hobby whose careers have ended effectively because mm-hmm. of Kickstarters that uh, succeeded beyond what they initially expected and that success is has led to that failure. Because yeah. the scope went beyond anything they expected. I have a good friend I spoke to who has been thinking about Kickstarting a project and he actually said to me, I need to find a way to limit the amount of money and 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 extent that this would go because if it gets too large, it will consume itself. Yes, Donka. If it gets too large, it will consume itself.
0: Yes, Donka <laughs> has decided to get involved in this podcast as normal.
2: Yes, at some point we always have to get the Donka. Yeah. yeah, but uh, yeah, that it, it, that's the scary point. That's the the the. The point where it gets scary—if you're not used to that—people who think this money coming in is their salary for a year. Mm-hmm.
0: Tim, what's your advice to Kickstarters out there, and how to get started, how to be successful?
1: I, th- I think uh, I, think the what I've seen in the past is people get in over their head. They they start the Kickstarter, and I, I've seen this more often than not. They say the writing is done. And they get down and they start going through all their notes or whatever and realize, yeah, I've got 30 some odd pages of handwritten notes, which translates into about five pages of text. And I'm promising a 160 page book. Um, Whoops. Yeah. Um, So I think if you're going to do Kickstarter, regardless of where you're at, I I mean, I, I largely agree with Eric on everything he says about who should be doing these things. Just make sure you've got your act together, and if you've never done a Kickstarter before, don't promise anything huge. I mean, I the value I see with Kickstarter is not only just, you know, keeping that dead dead tree product from dying somewhere, but you know, I mean, I've okay. Here's here's a good example. I can I drive by, I drove by the old Mayfair uh, Games several years ago up here in Chicago, and they still have pallets just loaded full of chill second edition books. Oh, wow. That they will sell you at cost. And being a big chill fan, that was great for me because I ended up losing some books in one of my moves from college and, you know, wherever else. But, you know, that's costing somebody something. And Mayfair was in terrible shape for several years uh, until, you know, they discovered Catan. And if you're a smaller publisher, that will kill you, you know. And if even if you're a, a larger publisher, that will kill you. We've, you know, the the graveyard of publishers. There's there's more people there than there are current living publishers, I believe. And Kickstarter will help do, you know, help you figure out what your market's going to be, get those initial print runs paid for. Uh, but at the same token, go through drive-through, do art, you know, print on demand. Uh, unless unless you don't have a lot of money for art and nobody has a lot of money for art, let's be honest yeah. and to to get yourself going, I would try to avoid the Kickstarter as much as possible. The other issue I have with it and this you know is probably a little closer to home. I find myself looking at Kickstarters all the time thinking, oh man, I really want to support that. But I have to temper that with, yes, but if I buy it here, I'm not buying it at my local game store. And one day my local game store will be gone because I didn't, you know, continue to patronize them. So I want to make sure that, you know, I, I'm still getting stuff there. I love some of the special things you can get uh, through Kickstarter, like a lot of the stretch goals that you wouldn't get at your game store. But Oftentimes, I find that I can go and pick that stuff up. Like, okay, let, since we already mentioned Frog God, I'll mention them anyway. Yeah, okay. uh, would I support a Frog God uh, Kickstarter? Yeah, uh, yeah if, I, if I thought it was really good. But I know that I'll be able to buy that product at my game store in six months after everybody else has got their stuff. So do I need it? right away do i need it six months from now when do i need it or is it just something i want because it looks cool because i've got a lot of looks cool stuff that i haven't used yet hmm. we also i it, yeah. i don't know i mean it's for me it's much more of a balancing act is this something i can pick up locally does it hurt the game company if i don't do the kickstarter i'm i'm trying to maximize the good i think well obviously and, oh go ahead sorry and honestly, I will look. A, I will look at somebody, and I'll look down and when they start the Kickstarter. I'll look to see how many they have started, and how many they've backed. If they've started nine and backed none, then uh, how, what are they contributing to the community? Mm, you know, good, what is it? Good point.
2: Good point. Yeah.
1: Or, or if they're starting one and
2: backed none, what do they know about Kickstarter?
0: Right. Well, everybody has to start somewhere, Eric,
2: so... Yeah, but usually you hope people have backed some things on Kickstarter to see how the process goes before they start right. the
0: Good point as well. I mean, some people, maybe they don't... Yeah, you're right. They should probably at least get the ear to somebody, check it out, listen, maybe donate a few dollars to see how the whole process works and to make sure it goes through successfully before they jump in and do their own thing so they don't end up on your blog. And, uh... uh. Oh, man, there are some good critical ones you had on there, Eric. especially the guy without the shoes in the video.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that was classic,
0: yeah. Uh, uh, folks, you just had to look over Eric's blog under Kickstarters and just view the one with the video of the guy sitting on the couch in his socks without his shoes on. So, Yeah, no. That was really <laughs> classical, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> I try, man, I try. We love you, Eric, don't worry. Thank you. So, I mean, you did, Tim, you did touch upon something that a lot of gamers fight over, and I'm going to throw this topic in as a real quick topic ad here. And it is supporting local versus Amazon. Now, I understand supporting your local shop is very important, and the less you support it, the the quicker you're going to run them into the ground, and they're going to go away. But Mm. then again, it's so tempting to jump on Amazon and be like, hey, that book that I want to buy for blah, 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 blah is... About fifteen bucks cheaper and free shipping, and I have it in my house tomorrow, as opposed to going to the local store and paying whatever thirty-five dollars for it instead of twenty dollars for it.
1: So, do you go back and forth on that a lot, uh, Tim? You know, what? honestly, I don't, because while you're sitting there saying, "Oh, I could pay this now and have it in my house tomorrow," And I'm like, "Oh, I could get my car, drive to the, my game store, which is only a, you know a couple miles away in the next suburb over, and I can have it right now." so maybe it's because of my more impulse. impulsive impulsive i was like oh i need this now which is one of the reasons why i like pdfs so much i guess hmm. cuz i you know i like having it when i like having it uh, i've gotten yeah. kind of used to that uh you know I've, my on demand and netflix and all that other stuff oh and i need this game right now so but at the same time i've been i've been going to the same game store Uh, I moved up to the Chicago area about 25 years ago, and prior to that, I had been um, supporting them via mail order when I lived far away, so I've had the opportunity to live very close to some extremely uh, nice, huge game stores that are still in operation, and I know I'm spoiled. I know Mm -hmm. that for a fact. I know that not everybody has what I have. and. At the same token, I don't want that to go away. So, am I going to spend a couple extra bucks to go to the store? Yeah, sure, I'm going to do that. And while I'm there, maybe I'll run into a couple of people I know. I mean, I've run into, you know, I met a, I met quite a few people, other gamers, going there. I've got this uh, one guy I met there who's painting some minis for me, because uh, I can barely use crayons to draw, uh, <laughs> let alone paint miniatures. And it's you know. The the value I get out of this Is worth far more than Any extra money or free Shipping I might get yes I still use Amazon Hell I use <laughs> I've got Amazon Prime yeah so that I can you know Get stuff even faster and even Quicker and you know cheaper wow. But mm. you know when It comes to my game store I would rather support those Guys
0: see I I, I go With the opinion of Amazon for myself and yeah, you know, we're all tied to our own opinion as we said Before right. I used to, like, I live here in Texas, North Texas, right here, closer to, I live pretty close to the Reaper Miniature Store. We've all probably familiar with the Reaper Miniature Store from the Reaper Bones Kickstarters that have been out there, and I used to game at their store every weekend, and they had stuff there. They have gaming material there. They have D&D, 4th Edition, 5th Edition. They even have some 1st Edition stuff sometimes. They have tons of dice. They have tons of miniatures, tons of board games you can play, and they provide space for you to paint. You could buy a miniature from them, sit in their store, paint your miniature for free with all the paints they have there. Take as much time as you want. They don't care. That's how they work. They'll let you go into their gaming room upstairs and play a game there every weekend. They even sell food and snacks. I stopped going there because I really didn't support the store other than playing games there, and I felt that if I wasn't supporting the store by buying stuff from them as opposed to Amazon, I shouldn't be using their store and frequenting their store. So that's the reason I stopped using that. I don't know. Eric, what is your opinion on this whole matter?
2: You know, uh, the funny thing is I'm, I'm in New York City, and we have a dearth of gaming stores, We yeah. really, of legitimate ones. I think The Complete Strategist is really the only one that is a legitimate gaming store that I can get to easily. And when I say easily, I mean hopping on the subway for 45 minutes, <laughs> which... Uh, I make that trip maybe two or three times a year with uh, Joe, the lawyer up in Connecticut and we buy games and then go across the street and uh, drink tap beer and, and eat food and... and game. Yeah, not even game. Just talk about the wonderful stuff we just bought. That being said, again, it's for me, it's two or three times a year. It's not a simple drive There's no place to park in uh, midtown Manhattan. Uh, so the option becomes Amazon uh, drive through print on demand, uh, Amazon creates space for their print on demand. So the vast majority of my gaming material gets delivered to me. Uh-huh. If it's something that I go, I would like it and I want it, I might go to complete and they will probably have it, but they might not. Mm. They'll have a lot of the older stuff, that's true. if i want if I want to go for games that are uh, no longer in print, Uh, Like the old Firefly game uh, Babylon 5 Stuff like that I'll find it there It's a beautiful place To find treasures like that Which I can't find elsewhere But for new stuff coming out If I want to get 5e stuff I'll buy it on Amazon And I'll gladly take the discount I'm sorry
0: Understood Yeah Whatever you gotta do It, It really depends on your budget What you're willing to do Like Tim said If you don't mind getting it right now Jumping in the car Supporting your shop You'll go there Not a problem there are some people that are just like, I, I'm not doing that. I'm just going to go on Amazon. That's just the way I am. Not a problem. Do what you need to do. On that note, we'll be right back after this. Oh, help me, Dr. Sayers. Dr. Sayers, Dr. Sayers. Dr.
1: Sayers, Dr. Sayers. Dr. Sayers, Dr. Sayers. Oh, Dr. Sayers. Dr. Zeus, Dr. Zeus. What's wrong with me? I think you're crazy. Want
0: a second opinion?
1: You're all so lazy. Dr. Zeus, Dr. Zeus. Dr. Zeus, Dr. Zeus. Dr. Zeus, Dr. Zeus. Oh, Dr. Zeus. Dr. Zeus, Dr. Zeus. Can I play the piano anymore? Of course you can. Well, I couldn't before. This podcast is brought to you in part by a not-very-generous grant from Lesser Gnome, publisher of quality role-playing games since last year. Gnomes value high-minded programming, just like you. Learn more at their website at www.lessergnome.com.
0: Are you enjoying the show you're listening to right now? Want to help support the show? Why not head over to the Patreon site, patreon.com WGP. That's patreon.com WGP. And help support the network for as little as $1.50 a month. That's right, month goes a long Okay, we're back, and we're going to touch on our last topic this week, and our last topic of uh, the community uh, forums versus social media platforms. Which one do you consider more helpful versus less informative? Which one would you go to first? I'll start with you, Tim, since you uh, hadn't said anything in a few moments here. Uh, it depends on what it
1: is I'm looking for, I I guess. Um, If I'm looking for advice on a particular game or something like that, I might head over to a a Facebook group or a G-plus group because they seem to have a wider distribution of people, Mm -hmm. and I'm very likely to run into the person who actually wrote the game. True. Plus, as these are, I call the the, these are fairly platform neutral Mm -hmm. uh, places. So, and by that I mean they're not blogs and they're not uh, message boards, which have a very solid platform point of view. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I can usually get. The opinion, not maybe the opinion I'm looking for, but the answer I'm looking for from some people. Or if I'm like, say, hey, I need a great game set in Elizabethan England, mm-hmm. and I my Google search has come up dry. Does anybody know anything? Mm hmm. And i may hit a couple old school groups or a historical group, or I run a, I actually run a Victorian gamers group on Facebook as well, where we talk about all sorts of Victorian games. But it you know, th- there's a wide variety of what we'll also talk about, and it's you know it's pretty you know open, and mm-hmm. I'll get I can usually find the answer I'm looking for, or at least get pointed into the correct direction. I find that um, blogs despite the fact that I have one and message boards tend to be far more platform. They, they they, who's ever in charge of them, their point of view sort of holds true throughout everything. So I'm not going to go to Ian world and ask for a Victorian game if I'm not interested in something that's D20. If I want to look for something that maybe uses basic role-playing system from Chaosium, I'm not going to go there because I'm not going to get the answer I'm looking for. Nor should I even try, to be honest with you. Should I go to RPGNet? Yeah, but I find lately that the signal-to-noise ratio there is pretty bad. Hmm. There's a lot of talking going around, but not necessarily the topics I'm interested in. Yeah, it's not for everybody. Understood. Yeah. So, I don't know, you, you I, yeah, I was gonna topic. say, I think, that, I think that answers where. So, I, I tend to go to places where I tend to go to places where there's more a, a larger variety of people where the thing I'm looking for, and I'm usually, if I'm, if I'm going to these groups for any information, it's usually because it's something fairly obscure that I don't remember or only slightly remember, and a Google search hasn't helped me at all. So do you
0: think the social media platforms like Facebook and the G plus community are kind of killing the message board slash forums, or it just depends on the issue. I
1: wouldn't, I wouldn't say that they're killing them in a sense that these kinds of, I think these mediums were dying out anyway. Hmm. And Facebook is easy. Yeah. mean, it is so easy. I mean, I've got people from work I connect to. I have other groups I'm interested in. My family's on it. So Adding another area of interest of something I can look for is easy. I can do it. I can just talk to those people. They're there. And like I said, half the time I can talk to the person who actually wrote the game.
0: Sure.
1: If I wanna if if I've got a question about, you know, Red Box Basic, I don't have to go to, you know, the masses. I can go right to Frank and ask him. Yeah. And figure it out. Yeah, I know he's on plenty of boards as well, and I might get a better quality answer. But I'm also going to get a quicker answer here. I guess if we've determined nothing else, I'm all about the instant gratification <laughs> in this. <laughs> so. nice. nice. I
0: think you would probably get a, 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 a quality, quicker answer from Frank on Facebook than you would get on the forums because it's – I don't know. I, I, I've spoken to Frank many times on Facebook versus the boards. Yeah. And when I ask him a question, boom, there's the answer. Like you said, instant right. gratification, and it's usually – well thought, thought out because it's Frank, of course, right? And it's perfect. If I do it on a message board, it might be two, three days before he gets to it, and then he'll give me an answer. But if I want to follow up, there's no instant gratification. Again, just you just you ask a question two, three days later when
1: Frank you know Frank's busy, so he may not yes. get on the boards every
0: day. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and I've got the, and the uh, the other issue I've got going on in my life is quote unquote game sites are blocked at work. Well oh, that's yeah. So for I can get onto my own blog, interestingly enough, <laughs> and read it, but Eric, I can't get to yours. Interesting. I can get on RPG now, but I can't get on to drive through RPG. That's weird. And I know the guys who are I mean, I know the the IT department mm-hmm. who's doing it. I know why they're doing it. So I'm not gonna argue with it because I understand the reasons. It's just that the sometimes the choices seem a bit arbitrary.
0: Yeah, that seems odd to get through get RPG now, but not drive through.
1: Yeah, and if I want, if I really want to see, I mean, it's all in the in the, of course the one bookshelf is all PHP, so you can you can change the um, some of the tags in it, and I can go to RPG now, but make it look exactly like drive through RPG. That's fine. That's not that's not the big deal. They just block have blocked certain sites, and it does make kind of. Like if I want to know, so here, no, this is actually a very salient, salient example. Eric, if I want to know what's going on in your blog, right. I if I if I'm there during the day, the only way I know about it is by your posts on Facebook. Really. And if I see something, I'll tag it so that when I get home at night or whatever, normally I do my blog reading in the morning, I will read it then. So I'm usually like a day late to whatever conversation's going on <laughs> yeah. on your blog because I have to check it the next day. Um, uh, uh, but so the fact that you are posting it to Facebook has been extremely helpful to me. Now, at oh. some point, you got to ask yourself, well, why not just move the whole thing over to Facebook? Well, then you've got somebody else's community guidelines that you have to follow. Right, Very true. And if I want to tear it, if let's say I get, let's just say I get really pissed off at somebody let's say i get really pissed off at eric and i just want to tear into him on my blog and all this stuff yeah i couldn't really do that so well on facebook because i'm violating their community standards but on my own blog i can do whatever i want and of course people know that so if they don't want to read my insane ramblings they don't come around and the people who do come around sometimes i wonder wow you're still coming here to read this that that's that's either interesting or Crazy. I don't know which yet, but, but you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna rip on you anyway because, that's just not me. But no. that's the point I'm getting to. Is these things are, I don't think it's killing them because okay. I feel message boards were kind of dying out, towards the end of the last decade anyway.
0: Well, we've seen such major companies such as Wiz- Wizards of the Coast drop them finally, it was in 2015, towards the mm-hmm. end, I believe. Yeah. Um, even DC Comics, who had uh, their own form for many years, finally ditched them in 2014 to like the blog slash social media platforms. So everybody's been seeing a dying. We still have some message boards left that dedicated to certain games, but... Like we said, everything's just going to Facebook because it's so much easier to integrate everything with your life.
1: Right, and there's tools too. I mean Facebook provides you with a lot of interesting tools and a lot of interesting uh, marketing and demographic tools. So if I want to pay for a post uh, Mm -hmm. to get promoted on Facebook, and I have before – I know who's seeing it. I know how far it's reaching. If I'm doing that on my blog and I have to rely on Google, I have to go through Google Analytics to do it. True. And while that's very interesting and all, it's – Not 100%. I, I find accurate. I, a, lot, a lot of the heavy lifting is still on me mm-hmm. to do nice. that as opposed to a lot of the heavy lifting is being done by Facebook because that's what they need to do anyway to keep their own business moving. All right. I'm just I'm just providing them a tip. I'm just providing them basically what amounts to putting some money in that tip jar, so I can get a peek inside their you know terabytes of data Very that they sure. already have on me. All right, Eric, and what is your feeling and
0: thoughts on forums versus social media platforms? Is one killing the other? What's your go-to?
2: Um, I you know, i used to be a big forum guy. I Used to live on. EndWorld uh, Forum. Before that, I used to live on uh, the forums for like never went to nights and stuff like that. There's the advantage to a forum is that it's an archive. I can't find crap on G Plus from somebody's posts if it's an active community from like a week ago. I'm not gonna find a topic that unless I do a lot of real searching. Where it's a forum, you go, you scroll through, and you go, oh, there's that. Thread I was you know posting in four days ago now I can find a, it. It's much different now. The social media, the blogs, uh, Google Plus, Facebook—they're definitely much more immediate. Uh, especially since now I have the Facebook community. I've been getting a lot of uh, uh, Facebook—I don't want to call it text, but whatever—direct messaging mm-hmm. from people that read the blog, and it's it's gratifying to to hear from you know, people answer their questions, which you're not going to, again, in the forum, you might log into your, you know, a forum every other day and say, oh, I have a message. Did I even notice that I had a direct message? Oh, it was there from seven days ago. Well, forums are not something that is designed for quick communication. It's designed for communication over the long haul. Again, like Google+, Plus, if you have a, a conversation going in, I don't know, uh, the 2000 coppers community, which I have, and it takes off. That conversation is going to be over and done with in a day, usually on Google+. It doesn't last that long, whereas a forum thread could last for weeks or months. Yeah. It's different because, again, forums are for not instant gratification. It's a long-term communication, and it's an archive social media is instant gratification a lot of times it's instant answers to your question it's immediate which is a wonderful thing too i don't complain about that but yeah i find myself if, if you look I have nworld right now on my computer, I'm looking at it, and it used to be when you logged into nworld you logged in and boom, the forums were right in front of you, and you saw what the activity was and now you go in and you log in and you go boom, and it's Morris's daily RPG news updates because he's turned it the front page mm-hmm. more into a blog more immediate he's adjusting with the times thousands of ads and. I'm not going there. End World always takes a long time to load up. I'm not sure if that's the servers or just the amount of graphics they have on it. I don't know. RPG Now is even more slow. RPG Now can I can I can walk away from my computer, and fact that I have files has nothing to do with it. I can come back like two minutes later, and sometimes it's still loading.
1: Wow. Uh, RPG Net or RPG Now.
2: RPG Now. Slow as sin. I don't go to uh, Big Purple that often.
0: Another one we haven't really touched upon, and I don't know how you guys classify it, Reddit. Now, I know Reddit really wasn't that popular for a while, and then it really boosted up, and it's I think it's kind of slowly declining now like everything else, but right, do you guys visit Reddit at all, Eric at all?
2: You know, I rarely go to Reddit, and when I do go to Reddit, it's because Someone uh, I'll look and see that, wow, I got a lot of traffic coming from Reddit. What the heck happened? And somebody drags one of my posts into a conversation, and it gets... Plussed or whatever they call it, and Reddit can drive a oh, lot of traffic good. temporarily. It, I've never seen, uh, I, I've had Reddit give me thousands of hits on a day, and I'm like, Holy, and then two days later, I'm back to my normal traffic. You don't retain it,
0: yeah. I guess it uh, depends you know. on what people are talking about. Tim, what's your experiences with Reddit? Ah,
1: <sighs> my, I've had, I've had the, uh, I've had the biggest issues. With just getting Reddit to work for me, I understand the value of it, and it is right up there in terms of traffic generation, Mm -hmm. um, as Facebook can be, or Twitter, under the right circumstances, Uh, but I have the same – issue that Eric does is it bursts and then it dies but something like Facebook or Twitter will give me a constant stream of traffic yeah. uh, the other thing about Reddit is so, it has to be something really big for it to even register mm-hmm. um, I mean it is literally uh, it's 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 information from all over the place from every topic everywhere in the world all the time and I have I have a tiny little blog that is a subcategory of an obscure game <laughs> that is played by a very select amount of people uh, in one part of the world so I am a I, I am NOT a microcosm I am a speck in a microcosm when it comes to reddit <laughs> so I rarely if ever get any Overt value out of it. Right now, I go to it every so often to see what's going on. Right, but it is literally information at the speed of information, and it's one of those things I would have to groom better in order to get any more value out of, as opposed to say something like, um, well, like I was saying, like Twitter. Mm-hmm. But I've, I have a feeling that my Twitter traffic is really the same traffic I would get anyway, because there's significant overlap between my G plus followers, my blog followers and my Twitter followers.
0: Right. All right. So before we depart today, gentlemen, and I appreciate the two of you coming on today to talk about these topics in the community. Uh, I know Tim, you had uh, a new book coming out that you wanted to drop a note about to our listeners.
1: Oh yeah. So, um, <laughs> I, she probably shouldn't be coming out with a new book. Well, I've got other books I'm trying to finish, but this is something that I've been playing around with for a while. Mm-hmm. And I just actually wrote it all over my Christmas break. Uh, so school was out and I didn't have to get any courses written or anything like that. So I sat down and I wrote 50 some odd pages of the sisters of the Aquarian order. Okay. And basically this is all the, what I call the, all the lift leftover hippie stuff <laughs> from, uh, when I was working on my witch books mm-hmm. over the years and it's for White Star. Uh okay. simple cell line, Space Witches. Nice. you uh, oh, know no. it's for a space opera games, so it's like the Benny Jezret from uh, Dune or you know the um uh, what's the what's the one group from uh, Doctor Who? Um, mm. um uh um, Oh The Sisters of Karn. Karn. Okay. So if, if if those are the kinds of things that you like seeing in your games, well then I got this for you, mm-hmm. and I also added n- enough stuff to keep them you know, enough in-universe stuff to keep them busy for a while. And I figure, what the heck? It's White Star. It's fun. I haven't done anything for White Star yet, and it might I might get a kick out of it. But I'm pretty pleased with the cover. So yeah. again, I'm happy about it, and I, it should be out. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm hoping the week the week after Valentine's Day. So I'm I'm targeting the 16th. The PDF's ready. I'm just waiting for the print copy to show up so I can approve it.
0: Excellent. And we'll put a link to your blog, which was theotherside.timsbrennan.com. We'll put it in mm-hmm. our show notes so people can keep up with you in case they want to follow you in your latest adventures. Also, Eric, do you have anything you'd like to say before going?
2: Oh, uh, geez. Yeah, go to Ten Cars Tavern, but you're probably already going, so what the heck. Yeah. No, actually, uh, I'm working on uh, a Star Slinger, which is a, a setting for a White Star, and if you want to read up on it, just hit the blog. Uh, the, as, I, as I come upon things in my head, they've been hitting the bloggers' posts, and some people have been playing with it, so
1: enjoy. I'll put a plug in for the White Star stuff that Eric's been putting out. It's been a lot of fun stuff, and there's a few I've printed out thinking, oh, I've got to use this <laughs> in the game, so definitely – cool. uh, Definitely been a lot of fun to read.
2: It's all been OGL, so...
1: Yes. Awesome. And that is tankarstavern.com,
0: not dot dot... Hey <laughs>
2: Troublemaker. <laughs>
0: yeah, I know. <laughs> that was an old Glennism from the Brainstorm podcast. Uh, anyway, we'll put a link up to the White Star uh, official rules uh, for, through RPG Now. I have a link. I'll throw that in the show notes in case people interested in and have never heard of it, and they're just finding out about it now. Hey wow we just found something cool and you're going to want to pick it up because it's awesome it is cool ooh, ooh, ooh. so with that we're going to say keep it original and keep it old school and good
1: night everybody and I thanks so much appreciate it
0: Initiative Podcast is a production of Wild Games Productions in association with d20radio.com. You can visit us at RFIPodcast.com or contact us on our forums at osrgaming.org or even by calling us at 570-865-4210. This podcast is produced for entertainment purposes only. All other uses are prohibited. And remember, if your magic missile spell doesn't automatically hit,
1: you're playing the wrong edition. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Roll for Initiative.